listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. What it's, what's in my spirit today is something that I, uh, I get t- talked to about often. I hear people say this to me in meetings, and they'll say how much they're battling with doubt or unbelief, and how much they're battling with uh, fear. And so I want to deal with this today. How do you overcome doubt and fear? How do you overcome doubt and fear? Those are very important questions, especially as we are setting ourselves aside to see wonders, as we're setting ourselves aside to see a year of divine possession come to pass. We say, well, why is it such a big deal? Doesn't everybody deal with doubt? Doesn't everybody have doubts? Well, everybody might be attacked with doubt, but that doesn't mean you let doubt set in, in your life. That doesn't mean you entertain doubt. That doesn't mean that you um, let doubt take root in your life and become a normal part of your thought process. Um, One of the things we have to keep in mind is that Jesus was tempted, the Bible says, in all points like we are, yet he never sinned. Now, doubt is a sin. Unbelief is a sin. Say, are you serious? Are you really serious? Doubt and unbelief is a sin? Because truly, if you don't believe what God has said, then you're, you're saying that what he has said is untrue. Think about that for a minute. And I want you to not only mark this down, but if you don't mind, put this in the comments today. Walking in doubt is the same as calling God a liar. I want you to put that in the comments. Very important thought. Walking in doubt or unbelief is the same as calling God a liar. That's why it's such a big deal as we deal with this subject of doubt and unbelief and fear that really stems from it. Um, And I'll get into that in a minute. Fear stems from doubt and unbelief. Let's say it again. Fear stems from doubt and unbelief. But walking in doubt, walking in unbelief, it's the same as calling God a liar. Why? Because when we already have his written word, we know what he said. Why would we ever doubt what God has already said? Especially when we know who he is. And so the enemy would love to tempt you with doubt and unbelief, but that doesn't mean that you have to fall prey to doubt, unbelief, or fear. And um, so you you have to take active steps. Notice, I teach this all the time, that when we want to receive from God, we always take active steps to receive what he has already done. It's just like if someone came to your birthday party and put a bunch of gifts on the gift table or whatever, and you're sitting there having your cake and everybody's looking around and everybody's like, when are we going to get to the opening gifts part? And they're all over there on the table and you're like, well, I guess they're not for me because I don't have them in my hand. I guess they're not for me because they're not unwrapped. I guess they're not for me because they're not right here in front of me. No, they are yours. People took the time to go out and purchase them for you, wrap them for you, bring them for you. 
but it still requires you to go over to that gift table, take them off, unwrap the paper, and then see what you got. And see, even though it was purchased for you, it was provided for you, it was brought to you, it still takes action on your part to receive it. The same is true with any blessing that God has ever made available to his children. You've got to do the same. You've got to actively take what God said is yours by faith and operate in it. So there are things that we have to do to keep doubt and unbelief from operating in our lives. The, what I started to say was the danger of allowing this to just set into your life and stay there is that if you are believing like we are for uh, divine possession, increase, things like you've never seen before, look how sneaky but dangerous doubt is. Not even just saying God can't do this, but even wondering, going back and forth, wishy-washy style belief system. I'm in the book of James, and I want to uh, read to you four verses of scripture. Uh, The context here is asking God for wisdom, which is one of the things he's provided for you. Wisdom, divine wisdom through the Holy Ghost. So I'll start with James 1, 5. We'll read through verse eight. Love you, Luenda. The Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Verse six, but let him ask in faith with what? No doubting, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Verse seven, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Why? Verse eight, he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So James is saying here that someone who walks in double-mindedness is also simultaneously walking in instability. Double-mindedness makes you unstable, and especially in the spirit realm. If you're going to ask God for something, James says, ask him for it, but ask him for it in full faith with no doubting. And don't be double-minded. Don't go back and forth. Well, maybe he'll heal me. Maybe he won't heal me. Maybe it's his will to heal me. Maybe there's things in my life and he doesn't want to heal me. Maybe, And then you go back and forth and back and forth. The Bible says you can't receive anything from the Lord like that and it causes you to be unstable. So you have to make up your mind that I'm gonna have a one track mind, one belief system that governs my life and I refuse to pull back from that belief system. I refuse, I refuse. So the key being, we make up our mind ahead of time. I want you to put that in the comments too. I've made up my mind ahead of time. Well, made made up your mind to do what? I've made up my mind to believe God's word above all else. I like uh, the Smith Wigglesworth quote that people often use where he said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. 
Powerful. That's a powerful statement. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. it means I'm not going to think it over. I'm not going to mull it around. I'm not going to doubt it. If he said it, I believe it. And that's all there is to it. There's nothing more. There's nothing more. And I've heard people that are, you know, they want to even modify that and say, no, I, I forget that. I'll just say God said it and that settles it. Well, it does settle it in eternity, but it doesn't do anything for you until you believe it. So I'm sure you may have heard somebody modify that a little bit and say, no, it has nothing to do with what I believe it. God said it, that settles it. Well, it settles it in eternity. I mean, if God says something, it's true, but it doesn't do you any good until you believe it, right? Even when it comes to salvation, what does the Bible say? You've got to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Well, here's the question. Didn't God already raise him from the dead? Yes. He's already resurrected. He's in the right, at the right hand of the father, making intercession for you, preparing a place for you. And he's coming back soon. That's all done. God did it. God caused it to take place. But the question is, does that mean that everybody benefits from that? No, everybody does not. Aren't there still sinners in the world? Of course there are. So something has to be done to bring that other thing to pass. You still have to confess with your mouth. You still have to believe in your heart. So see, that's why it has to be God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Your belief is important. I want you to understand that as, as we're in this discussion on doubt versus unbelief, faith versus fear, your belief, what you believe is very important, very important. Um, Chris, uh, Kathy Warner said, how do you deal with the anti thought that pops into your mind, trying to put doubt in by asking you what, uh, asking you what, what would you do if he said no? Okay. So excellent question. And we need to deal with that because it's practically how everybody ends up dealing with doubt and unbelief. You step out in faith, you pray, you believe, and then the thought pops in. Well, yeah, but what if God says no? What if God says no? This is where, Kathy, excellent question. This is where it has to be settled in our minds like the Bible said. The promises of God are yes and amen. The promises of God are yes and amen. Amen means so be it. God has already said yes to all of his promises. He's already said so be it to all of his promises. So he's not deciding on an individual basis who he will and won't heal, who he will and won't deliver, who he will and won't bless. That's not the theology that we believe. We believe that God has provided his blessings through Christ Jesus. And then as he's provided them, it is the children of God who step forward by faith and take hold of those promises that receive them because blessings don't fall on you arbitrarily, randomly. They don't just fall into your life. You have to receive them when you believe God's word and take steps of faith to act on his word. That's why we, we often teach that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six, and they that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so the key being, 
We believe his promises. And so we seek him diligently. We step out, we seek him, we confess it, we pray it, we believe it. We act like it's done. We praise him like it's done. We worship him like it's already done. See, and then we take hold of God's promises and we don't back off. For example, if I was believing for something and I prayed for it and I was confessing it and I just didn't see it come to pass, I'm not going to then say, well, I guess it's not for me. I'm going to keep, as Jesus said, knock and keep on knocking, ask and keep on asking. I'm going to be persistent like that woman in the Bible, persistent, persistent, persistent. I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on believing until I see that thing manifest and come to pass in my life. And so when we're dealing with why is it so vital? Why is it so important that we have uh, uh, no doubt, no unbelief, no fear? Because in order to receive, we can't be double-minded. And as uh, someone else put in the comments earlier, Romans chapter 14 and verse 23, uh, the Bible says anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. That's Romans 14, 23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. You see that. And so we don't want to do anything outside of faith. Nothing, nothing. I trust God. I trust his word. I refuse to call him a liar. I refuse to call him a liar. So I've made up my mind. No question. I must operate in total faith to please God, total faith. Doubting does not please him, doubting is a sin. So how do we, get, how do we deal with that? Well, let's look at some samples here. Uh, the scripture Regina was Romans 14, 23. Anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. Romans 14, 23. So we, we look at that and we know that faith is, dis, is pleasing to God, doubt is displeasing to God. We see a story in the Bible where Jesus, in Mark chapter six, verses one through six, he goes to Nazareth, his hometown, his desire, and he is the son of God with all power in his hand. He has all power in his hand. He goes back to his hometown to perform mighty miracles, mighty works, but he cannot do it. The Bible says, Does, doesn't say he won't do it. it says he cannot do it. He could do no mighty work there. Rome, uh, Mark chapter six, he could do no mighty work there except for laying his hands on a few sick people and healing them. So in the midst of a massive city, uh, or we could call it a massive crowd full of doubters, Jesus was able to locate the individuals. And there were only a few who had faith that he was the son of God but he still located them, didn't he? And he laid his hands on them and they were healed. But what about the rest of the crowd? For the rest of the crowd, the Bible says, and Jesus marveled at their unbelief. He marveled at their, he couldn't believe the level of doubt that they had going on in their life. So if we go over there, let me show you what Jesus did as a result. The Bible says he marveled. Now I'm in, in verse six of Mark six, Mark six, six, the Bible says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Now look at this part. And he went about among the villages 
teaching. You see that? My father preached a message for many years and the message was entitled the cure for unbelief, the cure for unbelief. So what is the cure for unbelief? Well, Jesus shows us teaching, teaching and preaching are the cure for unbelief. We said this yesterday that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now that's in response, that's in regard to faith for salvation, Romans chapter 10, faith for salvation. But do you realize faith for healing comes the same way? Faith for the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes the same way. Faith for deliverance, faith for prosperity, all these things, they come the same way. If you've not done this, and I would encourage you to do it, I would seriously encourage you to do it. We have something that we make available called Miracle Word University, where I teach courses on topical subjects in the Word. One of the courses that we covered in a, in a class is called Mountain Moving Faith. And the Mountain Moving Faith course, there's a specific video that I deal with within the course, and I talk about something that I've never heard anybody talk about for some reason. And, and it's important. So that's why I couldn't believe I've not heard anyone talk about it. And it's the fact that faith is compartmentalized. This is a big revelation for Christians to get that faith is compartmentalized. What do you mean by that? Well, I use the illustration of if you've ever seen a naval ship, you understand that underneath the ship, like in the lower parts of the ship, there are compartments. There are compartments. Uh, and those compartments are sealed off by hatches. You close the hatch and you twist the wheel. So there, there are hatches that close those compartments off. You know what that does, don't you? It seals them off from all the other compartments so that if there was a breach in the hull, for example, let's say they got hit by a torpedo and a hole blew into the side of the ship, you could close those compartments and the, the breach allowing water to come into the ship would be limited to just that compartment. That's it. And you couldn't sink the ship that way. So faith is the exact same way. Faith is compartmentalized just like those naval ships. So when you hear the preaching and teaching of the word, it does depend. It does matter what you're hearing preaching and teaching on, right? So if I'm preaching to you a message on salvation, then guess what's going to grow in your heart? Faith to be saved, conviction of sin. That's what's going to come. Zach said, that's what actually caused the Titanic to sink. The compartmental bulkheads weren't tall enough. So you see the importance of it, the, the separation. And that's why it's the exact opposite. So there might be people that say, well, I don't understand why I don't have faith for healing. Well, the reason you don't, maybe you don't attend a church where they teach and preach on the subject of divine healing. And if they don't teach and preach on that, how would you ever gain faith to be healed? How would you ever gain faith to be healed if you've never heard preaching and teaching on the subject of divine healing? It's the same with uh, prosperity. Uh, if you go to a church that bashes the fact that God wants to bless his children financially, if they bash financial abundance 
and like the guy that was on yesterday talks about it's a, it's heresy, it's a false gospel and all this stuff. If that's what you grow up in, if that's what you do and that's the church you attend, you're not going to have any faith for, for the blessing of God, for the prosperity of heaven. You'll actually look at it in a negative light and say, that's wrong. And as a result, you won't have it. You won't have it. If you don't believe, if you go to a church that doesn't teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit, well, that's not for today, brother. That's not for today. That died off when the last original apostle died and the Holy Spirit ceased in his operation. Well, if you believe like that, because you've heard that teaching, then what they've done is they've taught doubt into your heart instead of teaching faith into your heart. Because look at it. When Paul met those 12 men in Ephesus in Acts 19, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we've not even heard there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit. So that means they didn't have faith for the Holy Spirit because they'd never heard teaching on it. They'd never heard preaching on it. And so when two things happened, because they had only been baptized with John's baptism, that's water baptism. He said, then in what baptism were you baptized with? They said, water baptism. He said, that's just, they said, John's baptism. He said, that's just baptism in water. Then what did he do? He baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ. So that means they had to get saved in Jesus name. And after that happened, what did he do? Laid his hands on them and they all got filled with the Holy Ghost. So until he revealed it to them, they didn't even know it. They didn't even know it. You see. So Alonzo is asking, do you need the Holy Spirit to be saved in these last days? Does the parable of the 10 virgins support that theory? Um, every person. So one of the, one of the important things that, that we have to know as Christians, every Christian has their salvation sealed by the Holy Spirit, which means every Christian has the Holy Spirit. There's no question about that. Uh, but not every Christian is baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a subsequent experience. So the, the perfect example would be Jesus was resurrected, comes to his disciples in John chapter 20, and he says to them, breathes upon them first. And then what does he say? Receive ye the Holy Spirit. And they receive. Well, that, what was that? Their, that was their salvation because he instructed those same disciples to go wait in Jerusalem until they were filled with power from on high. So notice that, that they had already received the Holy Ghost. That was their salvation, but they still had to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The same Christians that got saved in Acts chapter eight in Samaria, Philip preached and they got saved. Now they're all Christians. They're all Christians, which means they're sealed by the Holy Spirit. But the apostles still had to come from Jerusalem, Peter and John, and lay their hands on every new believer and they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost. So it's a subsequent experience. It's a great question, Alonzo, because there are some people that think Christians who aren't baptized in the Holy Ghost don't have the Holy Ghost. It's not true. It's not what the Bible teaches. But there is a subsequent experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you wouldn't know it unless someone taught it to you. You wouldn't have faith to receive it. You see what I mean? Uh, Aaron said, faith is compartmentalized or topical. What is each compartment called? Are there a lot of compartments? So that's a general way of teaching you, Aaron, that everything that you'll receive from God that's taught in his word is separated by that teaching. 
So if I'm teaching you on divine healing, I'm not teaching you on financial prosperity. If I'm teaching you on deliverance, I'm not teaching you on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm teaching them separately because the Bible teaches them separately. So the more teaching you hear, this is the point I'm getting to now, the more teaching you hear on any subject is going to drive doubt out and build faith up. Get that. It's going to drive doubt out and build faith up. I want to show you one. This is Paul, the apostle go to acts 14. Cause here's a perfect example of it happening in real time. Perfect example that it happened in real time. Acts chapter 14 and, um, Paul and Barnabas were in Lystra and, um, this is really interesting because look at verses eight and nine of Acts 14. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. Now look at verse nine, but he listened to Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be healed or to be made well. This translation says, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up, verse 10, and began walking. Look at what happened in just those three short verses. Paul's speaking, Paul's preaching. This crippled man is receiving. He's listening to the speaking. He's listening to the preaching. And Paul finally notices he's listened to the point where he now has faith to be healed, to be made well. Isn't that interesting? As the crippled man who had been crippled, the Bible says, and had never walked, he was crippled from birth. Think of a miracle this is. He's sitting there listening to the teaching. Here's Paul preaching. And as he is, that faith is coming into his spirit. Boom, he hits that mark and Paul says, hold up, he's got faith to be healed right now. And Paul gives him a command. And when he gives him a command, it's able to come to pass because faith had been preached into the man's heart. Faith had been preached. It's amazing to see it happen in real time. I've seen it happen in real time. I've seen it. Uh, Luenda's pointing out that back in 2020, the Lord spoke to me to preach faith into your hearts during the pandemic. And we preached on the spirit of faith and we went straight for week after week, after week, after week, after week. We even have those still in a playlist that we'll, we'll, we'll send a link to you, but I just didn't stop. Why? I knew, of course the Lord spoke to me, but I knew that as all this was going on, that the enemy was going to try his hardest to fill people and their hearts with fear, anxiety, doubt, unbelief, right? I knew that was going to happen. And the Lord said, get back home. He said, get back home and start teaching, start teaching on the spirit of faith until I tell you to stop. That's what he told me. He said, teach on the spirit of faith until I tell you to stop. And I did. I can't even remember how long we went now. It was like a long time. It was like a long time, but 
we kept on going. And then we moved from that to teaching on uh, dominion over, uh, I think it was dominion over wicked spirits or dominion over the devil. And we went on and on every night. We went, what, seven, seven nights a week. We didn't stop two a day. And I'm just telling you, didn't stop. Why? Because of the fact, not only did the Lord speak to me, I knew what the devil was going to try to do to people. And there's the link for those of you that are on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to access the spirit of faith sessions playlist, that's the, all of the sessions right there in one playlist on YouTube. But it'll be, but what was I doing? I was trying my very best by the spirit of God to fill your heart with faith in a time that looked like you should have been filled with fear and the world was filled with fear and that, that should have pumped you full of faith. Well, see, it's compartmentalized. If I just got on every night and all I taught on was uh, financial prosperity, that's not going to give you uh, faith in the time of fear. So you have to focus on what it is. One of the things my father taught me when I was very young, he said, you get what you preach. 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 And so I recognize that because there's people that wonder, well, how come, uh, why is it? Uh, that I preached on this, but then I gave an altar call and nobody came forward to be saved. Well, it's because there was, nobody was feeling conviction of sin. That's not what you preached on. It's not what you dealt with. And so if you preached on how to have a good marriage, or if you preached on how to raise your kids and, the Lord, and then like, you know, you tried to transition it right in the last second. So now if there's anybody here that, you know, you're not ready to see Jesus. Well, there's not been a heavy conviction for sin throughout that service is not what you ministered on. I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm just saying, you know, the more appropriate thing is if you pre, if you preached on, you know, healing your marriage, then, then probably what's going on there is there's people in the crowd that need a miracle in their marriage and you need to minister that direction. See what I mean? And so that's what you see. You get what you preach because what you preach is the kind of faith you're building in people's hearts. What you hear is what's building up on the inside of you. So why do you think we, we give you so many avenues. It's because I want the victory tribe to be filled to overflowing with the spirit of faith. That's why that if you're on the go, we give you miracle word radio inside of our free app. doesn't cost us, uh, doesn't cost you a dime. We just put it out for free so that you can just keep it on in the car as you work on the job, pop some earbuds in and just listen to preaching and teaching and preaching and teaching. See what I mean? Why do you think we do the broadcast every morning? I want you to be filled with faith. We do Miracle Word University. I want you to be filled with faith. We do all, I mean, all the different things we do. It's so that you have plenty of content. You don't even have to think about it. You can just go and, and receive it. See, so how do you deal? What do you do when you're battling doubt and fear? Doubt and fear. Well, the first thing you have to make up your mind to do is say, you know what? I will take a step to fill my spirit daily with faith from God's word. Now, why do we, why do we do it like this? Now, if you've ever gone back and I don't, I can't give you the exact number. You'd have to go back and just search in the podcast. There was an episode I did one time called the 224 rule. I believe that's what it's called. The 224 rule and the 224 rule was in essence, it was an explanation of how to give the Lord a tithe of your day every day. 
I, mean, I wonder how many people have even thought of that. If I gave, we give tithes of our, our finances, but have you ever given the Lord a tithe of your day? So what does that look like? Well, we broke it down. 224 means two hours and 24 minutes. That is the actual 10% of a 24 hour day, two hours and 24 minutes. So we broke it down. They said, what if you prayed for an hour, right? You read the word of God for about 30 minutes, 24 minutes, whatever. And then you listened to preaching and teaching for the second hour. So prayed for an hour, listened to preaching and teaching for an hour and read the word for yourself for about 24, 30 minutes. Then every day with that kind of a breakdown, you've given God a 10th of your day in dedication, but you've also invested that in your spirit because you know what prayer is going to do. Prayer is not only going to get you divine direction from heaven. It's also going to, according to Paul, edify or stir up or encourage your spirit, man, especially when you pray in tongues. If you pray in tongues, the Bible says you edify yourself, you build yourself up. And so what ends up taking place, if you spend that hour of prayer, and I always tell you, pray in tongues to begin, thank God to begin, ask, uh, you know, ask God for things in the middle and at the end, praise him and thank him that it's already done. We call it the praise and Thanksgiving sandwich. Um, the, <laughs> that's what we've always called it. Uh, this is the episode, uh, Tiffany's going to put it in the comments so you guys can see it. Um, it's, it's the two, the power of the two twenty four rule. So you'll see it. Uh, and she's going to give you the date and when you can, uh, when you can find it. it was done over three years ago, but here it is again, the power of the two twenty four rule, the, the discipline that provokes promotion. And I believe that with all my heart, uh, March 5th, 2018. Thank you, Tiff. And so if you want to go scroll all the way back to listen to that again, it's a powerful episode that will help you to understand that we are sketching out our day so that we're making sure God has proper time devoted to his, what he wants in our lives. His voice is heard. His word is read. And then our spirits are filled with preaching and teaching. You're building faith like no joke. I remember going to Bible school and thinking to myself, like I grew up in a preacher's home, you know, I'm good. Like I know a lot of it, but then being there, and being in that bubble of constant teaching, constant preaching, constant prayer, constant praise, I was like on another level. It took me to a whole nother level to be in that bubble every day, four or five hours at a time, nonstop. Took me to a new place. And so notice this, we've got to make up our minds that I am going to pray and pray in the spirit. I'm going to fill myself with God's word and then I'm going to ingest preaching and teaching. I'm going to ingest preaching and teaching. Glenn said, they that wait upon the Lord shall do what? They'll renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and they shall not faint. And that's going to be your story as well as you're filling yourself. So how do you deal with it? First of all, so let me give you these practical steps. Then we're going to pray because notice As I said at the beginning, fear stems from doubt because if you trust what God said, the Lord showed me this one time when I was a brand new father, Maddie was my only child and she was a little girl, very little, still in her crib. And I had my carrier and you know, we, uh, we would take her out everywhere in the carrier. You got the clip in the car, you can put the carrier in. And I, I remember going in there 
to get her out of her crib one morning. And um, when I went to pick her up, the Lord said to me, he said, did you ever notice that when you come into her room and to get her out of the crib, that she's never in the crib in a deep state of worry? Did you ever notice she's not in there wondering how the family's going to make it? She's never in there wondering how you're going to make enough money to take care of her. She's never wondering like, oh, I, I'm growing like a weed. How's dad going to afford more clothes and shoes for me? She's never thinking that. He said, did you ever notice how little children are when they're born as the, through, until someone teaches them differently? He said, notice she just knows that if daddy's there, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. She knows daddy comes and takes me out of my crib. Daddy sets me in a chair and feeds me. Daddy puts me in a carrier and takes me where I need to go. Right? And so she never worries. She's never sitting there uh, thinking, How, how's it going to? No, she just knows if daddy's there, it's going to be fine. Right? And he showed me that and he said, and I've preached it. He said, there's some people that would just do well to learn how to jump into my divine carrier and let me carry them where they need to go. Childlike faith. That's right, Winona. That just understand if God said it, he's going to do it. If he promised me, he'll bring it to pass. He's going to take care of me. And that's what I'm encouraging you today. God's going to take care of you. He's watching over you. He loves you. He's not going to let you fail. He's not going to let you fall. If you're faithful to his word, if you're faithful to his spirit, he takes care of his faithful people. Right? I go back and look at these, this often in, in the, the book of Malachi. Because he's a loving heavenly father. Of course he wants to take care of you. Of course he's watching over you. But I go back and look at this Malachi 3. And it's mind blowing to see what this talks about. And people think it's, uh, this is not a negative thing. This is a positive thing. Malachi 3.16. And then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. And the Lord paid attention. And he heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, I'll spare them as a man spares his son who serves them. Look at that. Then once more, you'll see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. I love that. Between the one who serves God and one who does not serve him. So notice what God's doing. He's saying, I'm keeping a book of remembrance for every person that's taking faithful actions. I'm going to make a distinction between them and everybody else. I'll make a distinction between them and everybody else. No question. You're going to look different than the world. You're going to look different than the wicked. You're going to look different than those who don't trust God because you've got a connection with the almighty God and you will be different. No question you will be different. Hallelujah. I want you to just write in the comments. I will look different. Constance, you will look different in Jesus mighty name. Hallelujah. And so what do you do? Oh, Sam, sorry, Kathy. I missed this earlier. My church preaches prosperity. and I believe God gives us the power to get wealth. My husband is against the faith of prosperity movement. How do I deal with that? Um, I think one of the things that will help Kathy, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure where you're, where you're at, but, um, one of the things would be to just, well, especially if you have children, 
you know, I would, I would explain it to him the way that Jesus explained it to the Pharisees. Because when you start to understand the, the logical sense of it, that don't you believe, like you have to start with the nature of God, right? Don't you believe that God is a loving heavenly father? Jesus taught it in Matthew chapter seven, got grandkids even. See, it's, it's so important to know this, Kathy. You start with the logical, don't you believe that God is a loving heavenly father? Well, of course he is, because the Bible teaches he is. Well, if that's true, then don't you believe that he knows and wants to give good gifts to his children? Like as much, Kathy, as you and your husband want to bless your children, want to bless your grandchildren, knowing, just knowing that you and your husband are natural man and woman, you're not perfect, you're imperfect, except for your perfection through Christ, you're flesh people, imperfect people. But notice that how much you want to bless your kids and grandkids how much more do you think God, who is perfect and is a loving heavenly father, wants to bless his children until they overflow, doesn't want to see them struggle, doesn't want to see them suffer? As David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. God's desire, he is the good shepherd. See, and you start to think about it from a logical standpoint. I would really, really encourage you because I break this down in, in depth. I I took five hours and this might be the most life-changing hours that you and your husband spend together on this topic. I did a whole series on divine prosperity and I don't just do it to just literally preach, you know, here's prosperity. I want people to understand the whys of prosperity. I I want you to understand the breakdown of what it is that makes us believe that God has a desire to prosper his children. And so we did... Uh, I think we called it divine prosperity is the name of the course at miraclewordu.com. And it's, I'm telling you right now, it's worth every moment you'll spend in there because throughout the videos that we teach, I go, I break it down step by step to where I talk about, well, what was God's original intention at creation? Did you realize? I mean, here's the thought you could bring up with your husband. Isn't it interesting to you? God wouldn't even create a man. He wouldn't even create a man or woman until he first created a place of overflow to set them before they were created. He didn't create a man that said, now let's give you some stuff to play with. He created a garden that was overflowing with every good thing, created every animal, created the whole world, said it's good, filled it with abundance, and then created a man and set him in the midst of abundance. He would not create a person until he first created the abundance to set them in the midst of. That's right. There's mind blowing just to think about that. I think it'll be a a great help to you. But again, it's this teaching, it's preaching. It's, it's getting the faith in your spirit to know what God's word says. Amen. We will look different than the wicked. We will look different than the rest. No question about it. No question about it. And so the first thing is now, Let me break these down practically before we pray. How do you overcome doubt, unbelief, and fear? The first thing is this. The first thing is this. Always. We understand foundationally the nature of God. That's number one. You have to understand his nature and character before anything else. You can easily doubt if you don't know who he is. If you don't know what he does, if you don't know how, how his personality functions, of course you can doubt whether or not he wants to heal you or if he's mad at you. 
if he wants to bless you or if he's ready to smack you. I mean, if you don't know him, if you don't know his nature, it can be easy to, you ever hear somebody say something about someone and you can't even believe it? you're like, no, that's not, he's not like that. Oh yeah, he, he did this. No, he didn't. So, you're not something you're not telling me because he's, that's not who he is. He doesn't do that. She doesn't do that. The reason you're saying that in their defense is because you know their character and you know their personality. Now, that doesn't sound like him. I know him. He doesn't do that stuff. He doesn't do that kind of stuff. And you doubt it because you know their character, you know their nature. Same with God. Once you know his character and nature, it lets you know what he would and wouldn't do. So that's foundational. Secondly, you're starting to deal with the attacks of the devil that are coming at you. As our sister said in the comments about uh, what do you do when you get these what if anti thoughts? What if he says no? What? Now that's the second level. First, his character and nature. Second level, fill yourself with the word so that you know already what God has said yes to. What has he said yes to already? Has he said yes to your healing? Has he said yes to your deliverance? Has he said yes to your blessing? Has he said yes to your peace? Has he said yes to your joy? And once you have those things, then you can do step three, which is what Jesus did. When the temptation of Christ began to happen, he's in that wilderness place and the devil approaches him to tempt him. But every single time the devil tempted him, what would Jesus say? No, it is is written. So he spoke back to the tempter. He spoke back to the temptation, but notice he had nothing to speak until he had the word in him. If he wouldn't have had the word, what could he have spoken back? Nothing. It's the word that silences the temptations. So I know the character and nature of God. I fill myself with the word and then I speak the word back to the temptation. I speak the word back to the thought right? Number four, what's the fourth thing you do when you're dealing with doubt and unbelief? The fourth thing you do is that you take every thought captive and you make it obey Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we take every thought captive. That's number four. Why do, how do we do that? Why do we do that? Well, I'm not saying as, as she said, there are anti-thoughts that pop into your mind. And you're like, yeah, but, but just because the devil sends a thought doesn't mean that you have to dwell on it. Doesn't mean that you have to let it take root in your heart. Thoughts can come and you not let them stay. You drive them out. You take them captive and make them obey Jesus. You know, one of the things that I've uh, really found that helps, and I've done this, um, if a thought came at me, if I was being attacked or if I was under attack or my family was under attack and these thoughts come, nothing's going to change. This is how it's going to be for the rest of the time. Now you're never going to move beyond this. And I just start saying it out loud. No, you know, say for example, it's sickness or something. Nope. In Jesus name, the Bible already says I'm the healed of God. I am healed. I'm not going to be healed. I was healed. 2000 years ago, when Jesus took stripes upon his back, I was healed then. I wasn't even born, but I was healed because the healing is not coming. It's already taken place. And so I am healed in Jesus name. I walk in healing in Jesus name. Sickness has to stay far from my body. I'm saying this as sickness is trying to come on my body. See, faith is not denying 
that, that things are happening in life. Faith is saying this might be the current facts, but my truth is higher than my facts. Truth can change facts. And so I start saying it. That's right. Glenn, we, we speak things that aren't as though they are. No, I thank you, Lord. I am healed. I am healed in Jesus now. And I'll begin to say it. I'll pray in the Holy ghost. I'll begin to pray in tongues. I am healed in Jesus name. There is no weapon formed against me that can be allowed to prosper. The spirit that's in me is greater than the spirit that's in this world, which means the spirit in me is greater than the sickness trying to come on me. And I thank you, Lord, that your word declares that I am of God. I am of God and greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I thank you, Lord, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and is right now quickening my mortal body. I thank you, Lord, that every cell of any virus, any bacteria, any fungus, any disease, any sickness that would try to enter into my body, every virulent cell that would try to come into me is destroyed like a bug zapper by the spirit of God that lives on the inside of me. I thank you, Lord, that that same spirit that raised Christ up is destroying anything that tries to take root in my body in the mighty name of Jesus. I am the healed of God. I cannot be defeated. I cannot be destroyed. I cannot be taken out for the power of the Holy Spirit is moving on the inside of me and it is flowing through my body, flowing through my veins, flowing through my bloodstream and driving out every wicked thing sent by the enemy to take me out. I just start talking like that I, and I don't, and I don't stop. And I feel it's like, we don't go by how we feel, but I'll tell you, you can feel the anointing come on you as you start to. Uh, that's a mixture of me praying and declaring, confessing. It's a mixture of me praying and confessing. And you feel the anointing begin to stir. Why? Because you're saying what God's word says. You're praying what God's word says. That's why in, in the back of the book, the fasting book, I gave you 100 prayer points with the scriptures included. Because I want you to pray like that. I want you to pray the word. I want you to speak the word. I thank you, Lord, that every wicked enemy that would rise against the church in 2022 is being blown out of the way. Your word declares, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. And so I thank you, Lord, that in 2022, you are scattering every enemy of the church in the mighty name of Jesus, every wicked thing that would stand against your plan and your purpose in America and around the world is being thwarted by the power of God. I thank you, Lord. And you start praying like that and based on scriptures and watch what God begins to do as you pray personal prayers and kingdom prayers and God takes you to another level. And the Holy Ghost is manifesting in your life, supernatural. So you know the character and nature of God, you fill yourself with the word, you speak at the temptation and number four, which is so powerful, you take every thought captive. You have to do it. And one of the ways I take those thoughts captive is I drown them out. <laughs> have you ever just over-talked somebody? Maybe you haven't. I have. <laughs> He's like talked over them. It's like you kept talking over because you're in an argument, but you won't let them speak because you're speaking instead. You ever done that before? I've done it. You're just drowning them out. That's exactly what I'm doing with the devil. If you've ever drowned anybody out in an argument, you're just like speaking over them, speaking over them. You can't have a productive conversation, but you can drown somebody out. Well, I'm not trying to have a productive conversation with the enemy. I'm drowning his voice out. 
I'm drowning his thoughts out with what I'm saying, with what the Bible says, with what God said. If you think you're going to whisper those things in my ear, I'm going to scream these things in your face. That's the kind of attitude that you get. Devil, you think that you're going to come whisper these little lies and deceptions and, uh, into my ear. I'm going to scream what God said into your face, which will be very hard for you to hear because you're so far under my feet that I'll have to scream a little louder than normal. But I'm not, I'm not putting up with those lies. I'm not going to lock myself in a room and crawl in bed and, you know, turn the lights off and sob. I can't believe it's coming against my family. No, I'm going to battle. I'm going to battle. I'm going to war. Just because the war's already won doesn't mean there aren't still battles going on. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers, dominion, every name that is named, spiritual wickedness and heavenly places, right? So we fight against that, but notice what Ephesians said. We've already been set above it. So we're not fighting them so that we can be raised up. We're raised up so we can fight against it. Let me say that one more time, because if you get that, we're not fighting against these things so that we can be raised up. We were raised up so that we can defeat these things. You see it. So that no, no matter what the battle is, you're the winner. You're the winner. Always. Always. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus, our Lord. First Corinthians 15, 57. Amen. I'll drown him out every single day. Speak in the word, speak in faith and tell the devil to shut his ugly mouth. Cause that's not going to be your story. It's not going to be your story in Jesus name. So those four things will help you immensely. Let me hit them again. Number one, understand the character and nature of God. You know how he operates. Number two, fill yourself with his word. You already know what he said yes to. Number three, speak that word back at your temptation, back at your anti-thought. And then fourth, take every thought captive. Make it obey Christ. I don't think, if I, the moment that thought comes in, I was with somebody recently and they were confessing how tired they were all the time. So yeah, keep, keep saying it. You're going to get more tired. You can have what you say. I'm tired. I'm tired. Oh, I just stop saying that. Say I'm full of divine energy in Jesus name. I am full of the power of God. I am full of a life giving spirit. I am full of a resurrection, uh, anointing that dwells in my very body. John G Lake, the great man of God from the previous century called it the lightnings of God that flowed through his body, the lightnings of God, supernatural. I'm going to pray for you today. I'm preaching faith into your spirit this week, and I want you to receive because we're getting ready to go higher than we've ever been before. We're just setting ourselves in motion right now. We're not slowing down at the end of this year. We're ramping up. We're ramping up. Let me pray for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I am so thankful for the life-giving spirit of the Holy Ghost that dwells on the inside of every one of us. I ask you today, stir us up by your divine presence. I mean, Lord, I'm asking you, not just quicken our bodies, quicken our minds, quicken our spirits, stir us up for this next level. Give us a greater expectation 
and faith for what you have planned in the upcoming year in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. We thank you. We are truly thankful for all that you've done for us, but we know you've got even greater planned for the future. Now, Lord, I take authority over every attack that's been sent against your people. I command it to loose its grip. Lord, as they receive faith today, as they receive boldness today, I pray they'll start speaking. Give them a boldness to speak, to drown out the lies of the enemy. We're taking every thought captive in Jesus' name. Empower us for your work again like we've never done. Greater work than we've ever done. More impactful than we've ever been. Empower us for that. Empower us for that in Jesus' wonderful name. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor for all of your goodness and mercy in our lives. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we thank you. Amen. I like what Lynn said. Stop taking uh, possession of your problems. My anxiety, my depression, my diabetes, my cancer. Stop, it. Stop calling it yours. The Bible says we cast all of our care upon him for he cares for us. As long as it's yours, it's yours. As long as it's yours, it's yours. But the moment you cast it on God, it's his. It's his. You don't take ownership of it. It's not your depression. It's not your anxiety. It's not your cancer. It's not your, none of that. Cast it upon him. He cares for you. He cares for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you know what I've encouraged you at the end of the year, we're setting our faith to sow a seed like we've never sown before. And I want you to get, I don't know what yours is going to be, but I want you to be introspective and led by the spirit because as you're getting ready to close out this year, I want you to say, Lord, what is something that I can sow by faith? Not something normal, something that'll take you into a place of increase that you've never been. When you see the magazine that's coming to you, it's, uh, the title of the, the article. That's the theme of the magazine. We've never been here before. We've never been here before. We're headed somewhere we've never been, but it's not going to happen randomly. Let me just say this, and I'm not saying this threatening you, but not everybody thinks like we think. Not everybody's confessing like, like we confess. I'm talking about you and I, the Victory Tribe. Not everybody's on that same page. There will be some people left behind. There will, there will be plenty of people in 2022 that are not promoted by God. There'll be plenty of people that don't go to the next level in 2022. I've just made up my mind. I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm not going to be one of those people. I am going to make sure by my dedication that I'm in position for promotion. And part of that is by the seed that I sow. And so I'm encouraging those of you that are watching, take that step. Before this year comes to an end, this is a week of giving. We are sowing seed. You say, well, I don't think you know what, don't you realize the holidays? I know the holidays are coming. I know everything that's going on. That's not going to stop me. I'm going to sow the largest seed I've ever sown at the end of a year, ever. We're getting ready to drop it in here at our home church during our uh, final service of the year. And watch what God's getting ready to do. This This will be the largest seed I've ever sown at the end of a year, ever, in the history of my life. And it's something that, you know, we thought we were going to sow at one level and it was a large level. And God said, no, you're not. You're going to sow at a larger level because you've been there before. Now, now think about that. We were at a place where we were going to sow a certain amount at the end of this year. And we thought about it. We considered it. 
And we, but the, you know what the Lord basically said? It was, you've been there before. Yes, it's big. Yes, it's, it's a large seed. But the Lord said, you've already been there before. You're sitting around, and I recognize that now, sitting around confessing we're going to be, go where we've never been before. How are you going to do that by doing the same things you've always, always done? That's the word that came to me. So I was like, you know what? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so we're going to sow something we've never sown before at the end of a year, believing for things we've never had, places we've never gone to do things we've never done. That's what it takes to go to that kind of a level. And so I'm encouraging you can see the information on the screen, but I want you to pray and I'm going to pray with you right now. And the Lord's going to speak an instruction to your heart and then do what he tells you to do. Father, I would, would you speak to every one of us? Give us an instruction from heaven, a leading that at the end of this year, what can we sow that puts us in position for what you have planned in 2022? Divine possession, going where we've never gone, doing what we've never done. Speak that word to us today. We thank you, Lord. We will be obedient. We are your servants. We are your children. In Jesus' mighty name, we love you. We thank you for the harvest that's getting ready to hit in this new year. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Do what the Lord tells you to do. All the information's on the screen. You can go to miracleword.com and find all the ways to give, whether that's Zelle, Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, hashtag donate, credit debit card, cryptocurrency, however you'd like to do it. In this month of December, Pastor Mark Hankins' book is what we're sending you as a gift to say our thank you to you for standing with us in this final month to reach the lost. It's called Faith opens the door to the supernatural. Faith opens the door to the supernatural. We love Pastor Mark Hankins, uh, Pastor Trina Hankins and their whole family. Uh, they're so powerful. I mean, literally they've, they've, I was telling you when I was a baby, a young boy, he prayed for me and I was healed. And so I thank God for Pastor Mark. Uh, I've been blessed by his ministry many times and he's uh, a wonderful and a powerful man of God. This book will help you. It'll change your life. If there's anybody that knows about faith, Pastor Mark does, and he'll help you with this new book that he's released. That's our gift to you for the month of December for those that are partnering. If you're on, you've been watching these broadcasts, and you're like, you know what? I'm feeling the leading to partner with Ted and Carolyn. As you go to the website, click the partner tab. You'll see all that we're doing in the ministry. You can fill out the form and stand with us on a monthly basis. Again, don't forget tonight, nine o'clock is the Christmas party. You don't want to miss it. All four horsemen, horsewomen of the apocalypse. No, Heather, Carolyn, Tiffany, Jenna, they're hosting tonight the Christmas party live, 9 p.m. New York City time. It's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be in the Nonstop Moms Facebook group. So if you want to join the group and if you've not done yet, done that yet, you got to go and request. They will allow you access and you can join. It's going to be great. Games, giveaways, there's all kinds of stuff going on tonight. Don't miss that one. Brand new episode for Last Gen Podcast is out. Uh, tomorrow, new kids content's going to be out. So much stuff we're releasing and uh, it's all available there for you. You can go on the app and you can look at all the kids content. You can see all of our television broadcasts. I love you. Thank you for standing with me and Carolyn. Thank you for believing God uh, to change this generation one more time before Jesus comes. Time's running out. That's why I appreciate your heart for the gospel. Love you very much. Love spending time with you every morning. I'll be back tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. And then, of course, tonight at 9. Have a blessed day. And we'll talk to you again very soon. Later. 
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.